In this devotional, I'm going to share with you three thoughts from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, where I'll discuss the first and second commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. When you go through and you start to learn about God and you start to learn about the Bible, one of the first things you're probably going to learn is the Ten Commandments. And you might sing one of the little ditties that go along with the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are the first rules that the Lord gives to the people of Israel. This is where he is beginning the process of codifying his law so that way the people of Israel could be distinct and different from the nations around them. And when the Lord goes and he begins to articulate how they are gonna be different, how they are gonna be distinct, and the rules that they are going to follow, he starts off by explaining who he is and how they will relate to him. Here are three thoughts from the first and second commandments taken from Exodus chapter 20, verses one through six. Thought number one, the God who frees. The Lord begins his commands, his law for the people of Israel by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He is the one who brought them out of slavery. He is the one who has set them free from their bondage. And this is how he begins to explain the relationship that the people of Israel will have to him. They will first and foremost view him as the God who had destroyed Egypt, yet saved them. And they need to understand him in that light, that he is a God who is unlike all of the gods of the Egyptians or the Canaanites or any of these other ancient people groups, that the Lord who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is profoundly different than the lifeless idols that so many of the people in that same era, in that same area, worshipped. God is different. He is the God who frees from slavery. Thought number two, no other gods. This is what God demands of the people of Israel. He said, I am the God who brought you out of slavery. You will have no other gods but me. You will not serve another. Nothing will be ahead of me in your thinking, in your worship, in that which you desire. God demands to be supreme over and above all. This is his expectation, and frankly, it is his right as the creator of the universe. God reveals himself to the people of Israel in a special way and explains to them they don't have the right to worship any other gods. They don't have the right to acknowledge anything as being more significant than him. This is the creator-creation distinctive. He is over and above all things, and nothing gets the same amount of regard as him. This is something we need to recognize as believers today. We need to recognize that 
the God whom we serve is over and above all things, that there is nothing equal or superior to him. And as such, he is the only one who is worthy of our worship and praise. Thought number three, no carved image. The Lord, after explaining that he is the one who freed them and that they are not to worship anything but him, he says that there is a way in which you go about worship or that the nations have gone about worship that you are not going to repeat. You are not going to bow down before any carved image of anything, whether it's in the heavens and the above, or it's in the earth below, or if it's in the ocean, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make some sort of carved thing that you will then go about worshiping. You will not bow down before any created thing. And a lot of people think that the second commandment is just a reiteration of the first, but they are different. They are different. One is who you will worship, and the other is the means by which you will worship. And the Lord very specifically says, you will not worship by using some sort of carved image like the nations around you so frequently do. That is not what you're going to do. And this gets expressed in all of Israel's worship. They, know, they don't build idols and then say that this is the representation of God to whom we serve. They don't do that. And the reason why is this command. You see, nothing can adequately express the beauty, the wonder of the Lord. And because of that, any attempt to carve him or illustrate him or draw him is just going to fail and fail utterly because he is so far above every created thing. Anything we could imagine pales in comparison. So we don't make carved images of the Lord. We don't make some sort of physical representation of what we imagine him to be like, but instead all of that remains mysterious to us until we finally meet him face to face in the consummation. These three thoughts come to you from the assigned reading of Exodus chapter 17 through 20. If you'd like to read through the Bible with me, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, by clicking on the link in the description, or by joining the Facebook group Through the Bible, where we are reading the text of Scripture together.